On the cover, the left half of the page shows Ryan and KT holding hands as they walk through cerulean fields of grass, watching Cardigan and Belch frolicking ahead of them. On the right half of the page, separated by a shimmering veil of pastel watercolors, Moonflower and Shrike glare at a smirking Killian Alistair, who has his arm around a new girlfriend. Wonderworld Comics proudly presents The Midnighters, Volume 6, Into the Wilds, Issue 2, Through the Looking Glass. Prepare yourself, dear reader, for another gripping tale of adventure, drama, and self-discovery. This is Wonder World Comics. So our comic opens with, we get kind of just the very last panel from the last comic of KT and Ryan holding hands and looking at each other as they step slash float through the portal. And we get uh, a full page splash of just the bright, vibrant colors falling through the world. And we turn the page and you step out gracefully on the other side. Or at least Ryan steps out gracefully on the other side. KT, you eat dirt. Like, you fall down hard and just crash into the ground. That is unfortunate. <laughs> I'll bend down to help help you up. I cannot touch the ground. It is imperative that I remove myself from this. It is something about this world around you is feels just so alien to you. You are like a manifestation of of math and and logic solving itself and you have entered into a world that defies all logic and laughs in its face i cannot feel your stars i cannot feel the gentle pull of the constant pull of your planet or your moon this isn't right uh if if kt's okay with it like, because they said they can't touch the ground, I'll pick them up. And what happens when you share vulnerability or weakness, KT? Everyone dies. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> when KT shares a vulnerability or weakness with someone, they tell KT what KT should do to fit in more. Take plus one forward to do it and mark potential. If KT does. So was was KT okay with me picking them up? Before I K- describe this? KT has not noticed Ryan picking them up yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think, yeah, Ryan, like, picks KT up and holds them and, like, like cradles them, I think. So there's, like, a panel of, like, close-up Ryan and... Katie's face is close. Probably Katie is like not looking at Ryan, like is like looking, maybe looking up, I guess, for the stars and stuff. And is, how does Ryan feel in this place? Like, does Ryan um, feel anything different? You feel fine. I mean, like, you feel 
great. Uh, like the air is crisp and refreshing. And as you kind of like look around a little bit, the world is just incredible, literally unbelievable. The grass is a bright blue that reflects the sun. The, uh, horizon is glittering and just a kaleidoscope of every color refractalized through the clouds as the uh the sun crests the horizon and we get just a nice beautiful shot of the sunrise over the Feywilds. Stitch as wrong as KT feels in this place, you feel right about it. The second you step in here you feel like you are swimming in magic. Looking like when you were back uh, near the pillars of the earth, the western pillar of the earth, and we're looking around and you could see the ley lines interlaced around you. Here it feels like everything around you is a ley line. Everything is magic. There's no there's there's no space where it's not. And it is just the air is vibrating and alive around you. Stitch is going to absolutely love that. Is she with KT and Ryan? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so uh, we get like a nice kind of establishing shot, finally, I guess, of our brave adventurers. We have Belch is standing with his hands thrown wide, embracing the sun before him, uh, just drinking in the splendor of being home. Sam is looking kind of glassy-eyed and a little unsteady on his feet. We have uh, Stitch, yeah, drinking it all in, and then Ryan cradling KT in, in his arms. Do you want me to finish my response to the... Please, yes. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, please. No, that's okay. I just, I didn't know. <laughs> if you were like, nah. No, no, I had to, mm. Get out of here, right? I totally didn't forget. Absolutely not. I would never do that. Well, that's enough story for tonight. That was none great, of, folks. <laughs> none of us have ADHD here. Definitely not. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, so I think, I think Ryan is... Yeah, again, like, not good at words, like, holding KT and then um, sort of saying, like, you have been through so much. Um, and when I'm sure when you came to Earth, you didn't feel right or it didn't feel the same. But if you want to go back to earth i'll like i'll I'll understand but if you want to continue forward in this place then i'll i'll help you just tell me what you need we need to get belch home yep and if you uh if you can't touch the ground i can i can carry you that is a comfort and support right there also um how are what are you telling KT to do, or I guess, KT, what is your takeaway from Ryan's response for your um, vulnerability move? It sounds an awful lot like it would be uh, sometimes when when the odds seem and you feel like you need to give up. Sometimes you just need a hand to step on. 
and shoulders to cling to and climb on, like when you're trying to give a cat a bath. <laughs> Do I have plus one forward towards climbing upon their shoulders? Yes. Like a cat that does not want yes. a bath. You have you have plus one forward to to, to fleeing the ground. Um that is beautiful. And uh Ryan, uh what happens when you comfort and support someone as the bull? Well, Katie's not my love or my level. So nothing special. Just or, um, I guess, yeah, so I guess it's just a regular roll to comfort and support. So why don't you go ahead and roll plus your mundane? Okay, let's see. Come on. Come on, Ryan. Don't let me down. You can do this. Uh, that is gonna be a nine. Excellent. Wow. Awesome. On a hit, they hear you. They can mark potential clear condition or shift labels if they open up to you. I think KT shall take potential for that. Oh, it's actually, actually, it's actually a 10, because I have, oh no, I don't have influence over you. You have influence over me. Never you could give Ryan influence over you and make it a 10. <laughs> might, might have risen in quite a few people's orbits. I think actually after that, it would, uh, it would be unfair to not give Ryan influence over KT. Awesome. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, you've obviously done a little bit of opening up, KT. Uh, how do you, or I guess um, technically according to the rules, uh, the, the person doing the comforting is the final arbiter of whether or not the person they are comforting has opened up to them. Uh, I guess um, Ryan is, again, like words don't mean as much, but like physical affection is like their their main like love language so i think like the fact that kt accepted the offer to be carried mm -hmm. even if to awesome. kt it was very like wet cat like <laughs> to ryan it was very like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah like accepting help from ryan and then and and physically yeah. being in his presence is like there's a being you can protect yeah awesome so yeah, KT, you can mark a, uh, mark potential, and then Ryan, you can also add a team to the pool or clear a condition yourself, because you guys got a 10. Um, I will add a team to the pool. Wonderful. We now have two teams floating around. I think Wet Cat Scramble was a song from the 60s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think Wet Cat Scramble is going to be my next player character. <laughs> my next band name <laughs> um amazing uh yeah so it is uh, uh kind of as the uh the two of you are kind of connecting here um and the sunrise is just breaking over the blue mountains in the distance uh a large winged creature uh spirals down from the sky a great white bird with a massive 10 or 12 foot wingspan, just absolutely huge. Um, and this giant white owl uh, swoops down and lands before you and bows graciously. Cardigan is going to bow. Mm, curtsy. Gracious travelers, welcome one and all to the Feywilds of Spring, ruled by Her Majesty, the Nameless 
And then Belt just comes in and hits this talking owl like a linebacker um, and just wraps his arms around him and goes, And there's just like an explosion of white feathers as Belch just tackles um, Guiltwing the Owl in uh, just a tremendous hug. Oh, it's a hug. I thought he was attacking. Mm-mm. KT feels uh, Ryan's like tense and then, oh, it's a hug. <laughs> yes, yes. Welcome. Welcome, friend Belch. Welcome. Yes. Um, <clears throat> yes. Uh, as I was saying before I was interrupted, welcome to the Fey Wilds of Spring, ruled by Her Majesty the Nameless Queen. Of course, of course, upon entering, uh, it is my duty as Guiltwing to bestow upon you these golden badges. And, uh, Guiltwing's, um, great feathers begin to kind of, uh, flutter, and the tips of their, uh, feathery horns and their beak and their claws and, like, the tips of their wings all turn into, uh, like a shimmering liquid gold. Uh, as they, uh, spread their wings wide and, uh, hand out badges to, um, each of the travelers before them. Uh, and as they, uh, as they do so, they explain. Yes, uh, you enter our realm. Uh, you are given this token as an indicator of your place in line, in inheritance, to the throne of the Feywilds. Um, Belch smiles and points at, um, his belch, uh, <laughs> his belch buckle, his belt buckle, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, which is, as you, as you get a better look at it, you can see is an intricately woven, uh, band of, uh, kind of spiraling scripty letters spelling out 450. Um, and he kind of grinned proudly. Says, uh, of course, it's outsiders from our realms. You, uh, most likely won't be seeing three-digit numbers like that. He chuckles, um, and hands a badge to Sam that twists itself into 8,425. Um, next uh, is KT. You receive a gilded badge. Uh, it says, um, yeah, 6,126. Stitch, uh, as your badge begins to form, uh, Giltwing and Belch both kind of gasp in astonishment as it spirals into uh, 499. And, Ryan, you get a badge that says uh, 4,206. What What do these numbers mean? This is your place of line, place in line of inheritance for the throne of the Feywilds. Uh, I, I don't want to inherit a throne. Um, and as you say that, um, your badge, uh, twists into 8,412. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Giltwing flutters their wings in a giant golden notebook, uh, kind of, uh, springs itself into existence as it is molded from this molten gold. Looks up and says, uh, 
Ah, yes, yes, I will make a note of that here, and, um, what are you, good friend, if you don't mind me asking? Which one are you asking? Me? Yes, yes, of course. I'm a teenager. Teenager. Nice to meet you, teenager. A superhero? Mm, Yes, that is quite a lot of things. Let me take note. Child, a lover, a... These are all titles you have... A great many of titles must be very confusing, being all of those things at once. Um, they uh, move on to uh, Sam and Katie, uh, where they take, uh, they ask them uh, the same question. And then, uh, uh, what do you do, good friend? I am a midnighter. Midnighter, thank you. And uh nods at uh towards Stitch. Um and what about you? I'm an actress, obviously. Lovely, <laughs> lovely, I should write this down. Now then, uh I believe with that my duty has been fulfilled. Take care now in Her Majesty's Wilds. I'm sure our friend Belchier will take Good care of you. And uh, that the owl flutters off into the sky. And we turn the page and get a shot of the ceiling of the Shopco base. And uh, Eden, you are just um, waking up. It's a little late. You had a heck of a night. Um, you were late to your Jump In Girls concert because someone had to go rescue Midas from a warehouse explosion. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you, you made it in time for the headline art. How was the concert? The concert was so fun. I did miss the opening act, um, take away the foreground, but I was there for <laughs> Jumping Girl. <laughs> Thanks for that, Kaylee. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, it's a little slightly after noon, right about now. Um, what do you, what do you, uh, yeah, what is your morning kind of morning routine like as you're checking things out and getting back into the swing of your routine? I think you said she was at the shop co, but I think she'd probably be at her apartment. I mean, that actually makes a lot more sense. <laughs> so, um, we we turn the page and we actually see uh, the roof of your apartment as you uh, wake up and start getting ready for the day. Yeah, I think Eden has a really casual morning routine in which she like just works out for like an hour or two, does some target practice, uh, does some reading, mm-hmm. does other moonflowery things. Um, mm-hmm. It's a nice breakfast. Like some eggs on toast, lots of protein. Yeah. Um so you've had like a a Pretty solid morning, yeah. Yeah, it's been really quiet, honestly. Um Which I think concerns her. Yeah, uh I was gonna ask do you pro have you like headed to the shop co at this point to do some like reading the files and make use of their nicer kitchen? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think probably kitchen island display. <laughs> 
Um, I think she probably has headed over there, and I think she probably would be around for like an hour or two. Um, the fact that neither KT nor Stitch is there. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say, you haven't noticed Stitch anywhere, which usually the, she's quite noticeable, even if she's trying not to be. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, KT is nowhere to be seen as their, uh, yeah, ever, ever present balloon. Um, Eden would like to believe that the Midnighters are fine, uh, but she knows them. And she suspects maybe they have shenanigans afoot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As, as they so often do. Um, and even if they don't have shenanigans, I, she gets FOMO. So mm-hmm. I think she's probably going to try and see if she can track them down, retrace their steps a little bit. Yeah. So um, as you... Uh flip on the screens in your your command center and all the different TVs. Uh the first thing you notice is that the the uh your teammates like trackers are just gone. Um they're not being picked up on on GPS or satcoms, laser comms, anything. On Moonflower's desk at the Shopco, there is just a knitted throw pillow that has warehouse and a little arrow to library. A little arrow to Uncle Patrick's house, to barbecue, to park, to Faye Wilde's question mark. In just like a little like kind of knitted map on a throw pillow on your desk. Yeah, I think the throw pillow was upside down, which is why she spent like two hours there before noticing it. But... <laughs> it just fell over. <laughs> um, I'm going to I'm going to go to the park then. Awesome. Yeah. Are you, um, are you rolling up in full on superhero attire? She doesn't know what she's getting into. Like, there's not anything to indicate they were off. I mean, it's a little weird that none of their communicators are like showing up, but it is the middle of the day and she is a little conspicuous as Moonflower and she is like more conscientious of that given that Farsec is cracking down on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think she is going to show up just as Eden with gla- like sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Covert mm-hmm. Eden. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, uh, it is a beautiful day at the park. It has gotten uh, a lot even, even busier since uh, we last saw it when the Midnighters first made their departure. Um... Yeah, beautiful. Uh, as you're walking around, there's just kids all over on the playground, running in the fields, um, people jogging, playing ultimate frisbee. Um, and then you notice, uh, like, uh, first it just looks like a bird flying overhead, uh, a kind of a shadow, but then you notice it's swoop a little lower and you recognize the silhouette of a pair of large metal wings as, um, uh, Shrike swoops in and uh, kind of low over the crowd as if he's looking for something. I'm trying to think how she would respond to that. She is going to sort of sneak around the edge of crowd and just watch him for now. Like mm-hmm. a creep. I mean, she's kind of there as a civilian, but... Right, right. 
Um, cool. Yeah. So it's as you are um making your way around him, uh, kind of keeping behind people and also kind of keeping an eye on him. Uh, you hear a just a frustratingly familiar voice. Uh, no way. Well, now it just feels like you're you're following me. That that could be you again, could it, Eden? Um, is this like where where is this voice is coming from behind you? Eden's just gonna freeze. It's gonna take her a second to turn around, and then she's gonna turn around very slowly and just look at him. Um, Killian is lounging in uh um a bright pink polo. Um, his uh prosthetic arm looks even glitzier than it did last time, and it's uh he's a uh, gen uh. Feeding himself some, he's sampling some grapes with one hand while his other arm is around, uh, the, the shoulder of a very pretty, uh, pretty woman. Um, yeah, another, another, uh, she, she looks familiar, like she might go to Ainsley or something. Um, but yeah, not the, not the person you saw him with last time. Um, but yeah, she seems very infatuated and interested in what he's saying and, uh, looks like they're just, uh, enjoying a nice, luxurious picnic here in the middle of the park. Eden's going to come to her senses a little bit, um, enough to try and have a normal conversation, which is hard for her under other circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's going to kind of look at him and say, oh, hey, it's been a while. Your hair's longer. Oh, thank you. I've been uh, using a new shampoo that uh, I have to ship in from Italy. It's, uh, it's this uh, fermented secret formula. Uh, I know. It's, uh, but apparently it's working wonders. Um, well, I guess what matters is that you like it. You, I haven't seen you since uh, you would start on the, the big Jumbotron at the, at the game. Um, oh, Claire, this is the funniest story. You are going to love it. So, here we all were at the game. And he just starts, like, going off on this kind of rendition. Uh, uh, yeah, recounting your, your fun time at the, the game with the, and, uh, being called out on the Jumbotron on the Kiss Cam. Singled out for being so lonely. Well, kill it, well... He made out with someone else there. I think Eden's kind of shutting down. Um, I don't know that she's really responding to this. She's trying to think of a way out of this conversation, but she's not at the top of her game at the moment. So she, I think she's just kind of like staring as he's talking. Claire's just like, Oh my god, that is so funny. I am so sorry that happened to you. You must have just, oh, why did you die? Um, yeah, yes, anyway, what, what brings you here now, Eden? I'm, surely you couldn't be, uh, looking for little old me. No, I was looking for a dog. The cute kind. I see. Well, don't let us hold you up. Um, 
Eden's going to, um, okay. Eden's going to do a little acting. Um, and she's going to suddenly look very emotional, um, as emotional as her face is capable of looking. And <laughs> her brow furrows slightly. Yeah, well, and she, she kind of like looks like she's about to cry and she's like, thanks. I just really want to find my dog. I, I just really don't want to lose another one after you ran over my last one with your truck. I think you are definitely provoking someone here. Am I provoking, or I I mean, this is one where it really doesn't matter. I roll superior either way, but it could also be the are you watching closely move. Oh man, totally. That could. It depends on your your actions. Are you trying to get a specific response, or are you trying to like divert their attention? You know, I think she is trying to make this. I, I think she's trying to make him look bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, why don't you go ahead and roll to provoke him? Because despite his uh, claims to the contrary, he still definitely cares about what you think it sounds like. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and roll plus superior. <laughs> that is a 13, baby. Woo! Oh, hell yeah. So he... St- Stammers and just flounders as uh, she, uh, Claire gasps and snatches up her flute of champagne and just splashes it in her face. How could you? You killed a dog? And he says, no, it, it wasn't like that, babe. It was, it was just a chihuahua. I want to be clear. He did not actually kill Eden's dog. <laughs> that is absolutely a lie she is telling. He's just such a bad guy, he's actually ran over some girl's dog, <laughs> that it's a true story in some sense. <laughs> I mean, oh man, er, sorry, was it the Westie? I'm so sorry. I can't was believe it, babe? you forgot oh, about babe, Milo. Come back, babe. <laughs> oh, yeah, you have, oh, he is extremely flustered with you right now. <laughs> What what yeah. do, what happens? We don't provoke people all that often. On a, yeah, no. Um. So on a ten plus, he rises to the bait and does what you want. What were you trying to get him to do besides just look like an absolute ass? I think it was mostly that. Mm-hmm. If he felt a little bit bad, that would be okay with her too. Um. Yeah. No. I think he he definitely looks at you, and there's like a moment where you see genuine hurt in his eye and then his eyes just kind of narrow for a little bit and for just like this split second it's just like he just looks so furiously mad and then it's gone and uh he's just kind of trying to laugh it off and being embarrassed and uh, just trying to get uh, his picnic packed back up. There's people starting to stare now, and uh, he just kind of wants to get out of the way. Do I take influence over him? I think you do not have influence over him. No. he's. I mean, he's been on the page for all of 30 seconds. <laughs> I mean, that is true. I think you definitely have influence over him now. If you 
if you didn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was already susceptible to your words, and then you just destroyed him. And, um, yeah, it might not even be... Yeah, he's... He, yeah, he took that hard. <laughs> um, Once... <laughs> so the girlfriend has run off. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She's gone. Um, well, since the girlfriend's gone, Eden, like, as soon as she's kind of run off, Eden's just going to kind of perk back up um, and say, okay, see you later. <laughs> um, and as you turn away, he kind of reaches out and grabs your hand for a second and just says, Eden, wait, I... Never mind. And just lets go and walks away. Yep, she's definitely not going to spend too much time thinking about that. Excellent. Um, yeah, uh, Shrike, um, as you kind of are looking around and keeping an eye on him, he has now kind of landed and is trying to make his way. He looks like he's trying to be inconspicuous, but he's wearing, like, you know, cobalt blue armor and has a giant, you know, glowing yellow visor on his face and stuff. Uh, but he he looks like he's trying to survey the crowd surreptitiously and is doing a terrible job. I think Eden's going to sneak up on him, or at least kind of approach from behind. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think she's being pretty quiet. I don't know that she, like, if he did notice her, that'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she's, like, within earshot... Um, she's gonna say, you're kind of sticking out like a sore thumb, bird brain. Listen, I'm here on official Farsec business. You Wait, holy. And he kind of like, takes a step towards you and kind of leans it. And it's like, <laughs> Some of us like to blend in in the middle of the day. Okay, well, yeah, some of us are also working. Um, and you... Do notice now that you're closer to him, he is soaking wet, like head to toe, like he just crawled out of a pool. You take a bird bath there? Okay, okay. You're you're having a lot of fun with this, I see. No, I was uh chasing down Crimelian, actually. Uh and he got away. Look, there was it's not like he just got away, okay? I did just mm-hmm. let him get away. We had a extended confrontation mm-hmm. uh, near the bank that he was attempting to rob, and then down the street, and through a construction site, and over the park, where he used his sticky goo whatever's on my thruster pack here, and I fell into the lake, and I almost drowned. Um, yeah, so overall, it's been a day, and... You've got to be running out of bird puns at this point. Well, I guess you could say you just didn't see him coming. <sighs> okay. That was that was actually pretty bad, you know. Yeah, well, so was losing Cremillion. Okay, okay, thanks. What are you here for, anyway? I don't know where the Midnighters are, and I hope that... It's okay, but they're not like, you know, midnightering things up. 
Wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. Are you telling me that the cold calculating protege to the deadliest woman alive is worried about her teammates? You know, I lost my teammates. You lost a supervillain. I, I think we're both losing today. Oh, man. I think he totally just got you to reveal a vulnerability or weakness. Yes. <laughs> um, when you share a vulnerability or weakness with someone, tell them a secret about your mentor, including your feelings towards them. Give them influence over you and add one team to the pool. Hmm. Okay. Um, so I think Aiden's going to say Belladonna likes it when I keep an eye on them or I guess just when I'm spending time with them. She thinks they're a good influence on me. Are they? Which is kind of annoying, actually. <laughs> Because mm. they're not. And um, and I guess I just don't like the way she treats me like a project sometimes. I feel that I was, I was never good enough for the Black Falcon. Wouldn't be surprised if he had already replaced me at this point. But, hey, you can't please everyone. Sometimes, you know, gotta look out for the people you care about. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, I won't tell anyone. <laughs> Fine, then I won't tell anyone that you lost the Crimillion. Squared yell. Um, I do believe that Shrike already has influence over Eden and therefore would be shifting her labels. Awesome. Uh, I think he is raising your mundane and lowering your freak. Um, Interesting. Yeah, he's telling you, um, you know, that it's okay to connect with people and, you know, laugh at yourself sometimes and, and open up. And that, that you're, you know, just because you're a protege to a superhero doesn't make you so different from everyone else. I don't think anyone has ever raised Eden's mundane before. Whoa. I could be it wrong, but... <laughs> In my memory, no one has even that's, attempted. That's why this ship was sad. <laughs> uh, so you got any leads on your team? No, I don't suppose you saw them when you were falling in the lake. I can tell you what, they were not hidden at the bottom. Well, that's a relief. I'm not sure any of them know how to swim. That is mildly concerning. Yeah. Um. Any more? You got a better idea where they were last seen, other than the park? Well, there was this pillow. I think they were going to the Bay Wilds. I don't know where that is. I could try and pull up the security files off of the Farsec server. Uh, hold on a second. Oh, yep, yep, yep. The uh, bodega across the street had security cameras rolling the entire time. Um, check it out. And he hits a button on his visor, and it projects just a little 2D display. And you can see um, the the very grainy, uh, fuzzy forms of your teammates wandering into the forest. 
uh, inside the park. The the small glade of trees um, and the timestamp is just before you lost contact with their communicators. She's going to put aside the fact that she thinks it's super annoying when he does stuff like that. Um, since he did give her a lead. Um, and she says, well, I guess I will go looking for them there. And I guess if you wanted to look for Crimelian there, you could come with. I mean, chameleons like plants, right? Sure. And uh, we get kind of a nice wide shot of the two of them and the end of that conversation uh, as they're walking through the crowd towards the trees. And we turn the page. Um, back in the Feywilds, um, uh, the, the group is kind of making its way down off of this kind of blue grassy hilltop. And in the valley below you, there stretches, uh, it's kind of a wide open plain on one side of more of this, uh, blue flowing grass. And then, uh, on the other side, there's just this gnarly looking forest of old trees with giant knots and tangled roots. Um, and uh, Belch is leading you um, along the meadows and out towards the Blue Mountains. Um, but the further you get, the more you guys notice that Sam has been lagging behind. And his eyes are glassier than ever. And he keeps stopping and just staring into the woods. I can't carry you two, bro. Um, Sam doesn't appear to hear you. Ryan, and he starts walking towards the woods without responding. I roll my eyes. He is, uh, as he is a couple, gets very, or closer to the tree line, Belch notices and turns around and so, uh, Jumping Shafa! Jumpa! Stay out of Sinma! Cardigan's gonna reach out with some threads and try to snag him around the wrist and kind of uh, pull him along with the tether on a leash. He doesn't, like, uh, uh, like try and rip himself away from you, but he does just kind of absentmindedly untie the strings from around his wrist and tries to just kind of toss them aside as he starts wandering closer and closer to the woods. Can I affect the light here? You can indeed. I would like to attempt to create a wall of light that a wall of hardened light that he would not be able to walk through. Go ahead and roll to unleash your powers. That is a four plus a one plus a two for a seven total. Awesome. Uh, so on a hit, you do it. On a 7 to 9, mark a condition, or the GM will tell you how the effect is unstable or temporary. We are going to uh, mark the afraid condition. So Katie is now both afraid as well as angry, because this place does not respond the way it is supposed to. Okay. Uh, and Sam stops and uh, kind of stares into the woods. And is just kind of whispering and mumbling to himself about how he 
He has to go. He has to find out. Is Waldo with him? Like, is he? Is Waldo also trying to walk into the tree? Waldo is is with him and is um at his side, um kind of looking up at him a little worriedly and kind of whimpering. If we break his legs, not only does Sam stay alive, <laughs> but Charlie continues to play when he returns. I do not see a downside to this plan. The downside, KT, is I'm already carrying you. I can also carry him. KT weighs like 60 pounds. <laughs> yeah, but like, like, um, well, first of all, what the heck is a pound? Second of all, there's not <laughs> enough room on my back. <laughs> he was. He's one third of a wallaby. In terms you can understand. <laughs> is that the official d- unit of weight in Tasmania? Wallaby? Uh, I don't think most people have ever picked up a wallaby, so I don't know if it's like a super helpful, <laughs> huh. like. Um, they're denser than they appear. KT would love them. <laughs> Can Stitch Charger burn? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying that he he should, he had more than enough time to go to the hospital. This entire this <laughs> entire series. Well, Stitch rolled a six, but that doesn't matter because she has five conditions. That's an eleven. Uh, she Hell retains yeah. three burn. And okay, so she crafts with construct. Uh, with one of her burns, a little sled, and just at this point, she's getting impatient. She's been promised magic. She has the shortest number of anyone else. She might get to be a princess. So she's tired of this. She just straps him down to this sled, and she's gonna start hauling him with the thread over her shoulder. If if he resists, she will be using force. Awesome. Yeah. No. I think. I think between. KT's wall of light and your threads, you are able to kind of subdue him a little bit, but he is out of it and just keeps mumbling about the forest and how he's being called. Um, but as you, um, start pulling him along, uh, Waldo kind of trots up right along you and, uh, kind of, uh, start tugging at the, uh, the rope with his mouth a little bit and, uh, uh, offers to to take over uh, hauling Sam along in his little sled. Uh, she'll spend one more of her burn and just create a cute and nifty little sleigh dog harness for Waldo and attach it to um, the Sam sleigh. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> oh my god. This is actually perfect. Um, wonderful. As you, uh, yeah, so as you are doing this, uh, you notice um, uh, some eyes from the the forest watching you as you are uh, maneuvering Sam onto this sled and hooking up Waldo into his very handsome sleigh dog harness. Um, yeah, and uh, you continue on your way through the Feywilds um, over the Cerulean hoods, woods and uh, the Cerulean fields and uh, past the, the woods of Sinroth. Um, to the edge of the Blue Mountains. And uh, it's with a... a Belgian smile is just beginning wider and wider the entire time you have been moving forward. Uh, it says, uh, 
Welcome. Welcome, friends. Welcome to Belch's home. And as you crest the last hill, you see a beautiful little valley nestled into the foothills of the Blue Mountains with a picturesque picturesque uh, stream, mountain stream, uh, rolling down by the house with a, a little cottage with a nice water wheel. Uh, there's a barn uh, with livestock and rolling fields. Um, and uh, in the distance, you can see uh, what appears to be a large ogre uh, working in the fields below you. And uh, there's smoke coming out of the chimney. We turn the page and we see Eden and Shrike. You have entered the woods, um, and you were not expecting to, Eden. This was a kind of like just a smallish grouping of maybe seven or eight trees. You are pretty sure you counted them. But as soon as you walked between them, the trees just kept getting thicker and thicker, and the light got dimmer and dimmer, and there's all this crazy plant life you have never seen before. Are there mushrooms? And, um, there are, in fact. Um, but also not mushrooms. And Ian's wrinkling her nose at the mushrooms. She doesn't like them. Fortunately. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there, in addition to the incandescent mushrooms, there are also... Uh, They're glowing? Yeah. <laughs> That's so freaky. I hate that. <laughs> they're, they're just mushrooms, Moonflower. Don't you have a knife? They might be poisonous, and they look <laughs> weird, and they smell bad. Then stab them with a knife, and then you have another poisoned knife. I don't know that they're poison. It might be, though. Oh. They still smell bad. And uh, the two of you round the clearing. Or turn a tree and are presented with a beautiful clearing filled with a shimmering pastel watercolor light. And no and more mushrooms. No more mushrooms. And yeah. instead, uh, the the portal is at the, the base of a tree. Um, and uh, the tree's roots are woven uh, t- to look almost like a giant birdcage. And uh, inside, you see a yellow avian eye uh, flicking around restlessly. Um, And perched in the tree above it is a tremendous, gigantic crow. She's going to look at Shrike and say, as the resident bird expert, do you know anything about this? I... Do not. Is it glowing? And you kind of looks like it's glowing. You can indeed see that it is uh, covered in uh, blood red runes that uh, give off uh, an eerie glow. Do they perhaps look anything like the runes on Midas? They would be in the same language, so. Ah. Yeah, so they do look, you know, to be in a, a a similar aesthetic or perhaps language family. 
if anything, you notice that maybe similar shapes, but these runes seem like carved and cut like slices with a knife where the runes on Midas's arm seem to be woven and curling and flowing. Same language, different font. Cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Font matters in Fey, apparently, I guess. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, Yule Moon, uh, the font was using papyrus when they <laughs> got their runes. Um, okay. Ian's gonna, like, sort of pinch the bridge of her nose and say, I feel like this is probably the direction they went. They would do that. Who is they? Lost someone. Have you? The giant three-story tall crow asks you. Have you seen anyone come this way? Perhaps I have. Perhaps I have not. It depends on who you seek. Well, several people, I guess. Were any of them floating? Indeed, indeed. Though they had no wings. Very rude if you ask you a moon. <laughs> Ian's just gonna kind of nod and look at Trick and say, yeah, I think they went this way. And she's gonna try and follow them. Uh, the giant crow flutters down from his perch and lands between you and the portal. Excuse me. Your moon protects this grove. If you wish to enter your moon's grove, you must offer something in return. You're a crow. Do you like shiny trinkets? It depends. I am far more fascinated with names. <sighs> tell me. Tell me your names and I shall let you pass. Um, it is weighing her options here. She doesn't really want uh, Shrike to know her name, mostly on principle of the matter. Mm-hmm. That checks out. Yeah. But she is kind of in a hurry. She's getting increasingly concerned that her teammates disappeared into, like, whatever this situation is. It is clearly magical. Yeah. That much is certain. It runs on some form of electricity. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, Shrike leans in and kind of whispers to you, so how much trouble could they possibly be in, right? I'm going to find them. You don't have to come with. He, um, sighs. And, uh, stand, uh, kind of takes a step forward, gives you one kind of last nervous side eye, and then it says, uh, <sighs> Andrew Culver. Um, Eden was not expecting that. Um, and I, I think she, it kind of takes her a second to snap back to it. Um, and then she says, Eden Holloway. Yule Moon nods, and its uh, giant red eye flicks towards Andrew and uh, 
flashes briefly before Yule Moon the Crow bows, steps aside. Thank you. The deal's the deal. The deal's the deal. You may pass. Mayhaps you find your friends. Travel well. Hope you like having our lousy names instead of something shiny. Be safe now, Eden and Andrew. Um, I think Eden's feeling weird about this exchange. Um, and she's going to try and brush it off and say, my name's not even, like, a big deal. Like, I don't really care if people, like, it's not like anyone's going to track down my loved ones and hurt them. Like, if they tried, that's really their problem. I just don't want my ex to know I'm alive. That's it. But otherwise, it's, like, not even a big deal. Yeah, no, that sounds totally normal. Totally not a vulnerability or weakness. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just really need to speak, because I'm, like, I was, like, literally biting my cheek, trying not to scream. (laughs) (laughs) From the moment Drew said his name, I was, like... Literally biting myself to not speak. <laughs> anyway, ah! Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Totally. Uh. Wait. Why would your ex want to kill you? No, she already tried. Oh. There's a Farsec file on it. My name's not in it. But if you can find it, I guess you can read it. And she's gonna, like, walk ahead pretty quickly in, like, a this conversation is over sort of way. Um, Shrake nods. Uh, he falls behind her and says, uh, you can just, uh, call me Drew, by the way. Fine. I kind of hate my full name. Okay. And, uh, should we step through the giant glowy light painting thing, I guess? Yeah, probably. Aiden's gonna walk through. Cool. Um, yeah, also, are you, yeah, revealing a vulnerability or weakness again? <laughs> I was. I, I don't know how to work a secret about my mentor into this. Uh. If you didn't want to resolve that move, I just, it kind of no, seemed no. like one, so I was like, uh, I can't not suggest I feel like she revealed something, and maybe at the GM's discretion, <laughs> it can be about her ex and not Belladon. <laughs> yeah, no, that, yeah, I, I definitely think you you opened up. That seems totally fair. My uh, name is Total. My mentor totally didn't think it was lame. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I guess depending on how you want to play that, <laughs> add influence or give Shrike influence again <laughs> and add another team to the pool. That's up to um, you. <laughs> heck yeah. Uh, yeah, Shrike is going to um, up your mundane again and lower your superior. <laughs> You're starting to care now, Eden. Karen still be superior. <laughs> I could care about others and still be better than them. It's so easy. 
<laughs> oh my god. Um, cool. And uh, yeah, we get a page of brilliant, colorful, swirling light as uh, the two of you step into the Feywilds. Yeah, so um, we turn the page and uh, Belch is running down the hill in the fields towards this other ogre who has looked up and she gets the biggest smile across her face and she charges up to him and the ground begins to shake at their embrace and uh, the two begin to weep in joy as uh, she she says, Oh, Belchfrin! Belchfrin, my love! You have returned! I think Cardigan is going to take her needle and like launch three balls of yarn 200 feet into the air that explode in like low firework fashion and uh she's gonna be like okay guys we finally did it we actually got something done this time what was your favorite part she's definitely trying to share a celebration who is who is she talking to in particular graviton cool um so uh what was what is what was your favorite part <laughs> the part where I escaped the cold, cold grasp of this strange ground. No, um, it would probably have to be uh, meeting Belch's partner. Just knowing yeah. that uh, they're so happy that they are reunited. KT shall openly weep. Oh, oh, I mean, yeah. I, that could be another vulnerability or weakness, but we have to roll around with that. Say, I'm also supposed to write a lesson based on that. This is just going to move Cardigan, and she is going to write the lesson. I don't know the best way to phrase it. If you'd like a suggestion, you could phrase it as, um, I am to hold family uh, above all. Yes, thank you. That is beautiful. There it is. Perfect. Perfect. And, uh, Belch, uh, turns to you all and smiles with, uh, bright tears, uh, flowing down his, his, just the widest grin on his face. Belch! This player! She is my, she is my largest and strongest wife! And, uh, she is indeed, uh, towers head and shoulders even above Belch. Um, she has large, beautiful, um, uh, silvery blue uh, elk horns and uh, long kind of orange monarch wings behind her back. And uh, she turns to Belch. Belch, friend! Inder has a surprise! And uh, smiles and uh, Belch says, uh, Inder! And goes charging off towards the house and uh, Belch's second wife appears. She's a uh, not as large as Frey, um, but she is older and more experienced, and uh, she has a white wolf pelt slung over her shoulders and a large uh, hunting spear across her back. And um, as she exits the house, uh, the little cottage door, out from behind her and between her legs run two adorable, thundering, little calf ogre children. Um, and 
they start charging forward with their fuzzy little baby deer horns just starting to sprout and their uh, tiny little wings not quite fully formed as they scream and laugh and yell, Papa's home! Papa's home! And, uh, yes, these, uh, uh, Trey says, uh, Milk friend, it is good to have you back. Well, you were gone. We welcomed. We were able to welcome Jinal and Doran into this world. And uh, Belch is just kind of at a loss for words now. Um, and uh, just his, just uh, hugging his two adorable tiny children and uh, is just so happy to be home uh, with his two beautiful wives again for the first time in a long time. Uh, yeah. What does Ryan think of all of this? Um... <laughs> I took him for a walk. Everything's normal. Um, I think uh, Katie's still on my back, right? Mm -hmm. And weeping. And weeping. Yeah, Yeah, Belch has... So Belch has returned and uh, uh, met his uh, largest wife... You've met his largest wife, Frey, and his eldest wife, uh, Hinder, um, who it turns out was... Had uh, two little baby ogres. Well, Belch was gone. And so, yeah, he's meeting uh, his kids, Jinal and Joran, for the first time. Um, KT, have you ever cried before? Yes. Okay. Ryan usually cries at everything, but I don't think he's crying at this. Um... <laughs> I think <laughs> um yeah, I think Ryan is a little bit um awkward because it's sort of like, you know, this is such a beautiful scene um but all it really does is make him feel bad about continuing to lie and leave Uncle Patrick uh, kind of in the lurch so he's sort of like he's he's in his own head like they're not um, they're not really like thinking about Belch and how good it is that they got Belch home Ryan is um, Ryan is not in the Feywilds mentally anymore <laughs> just thinking about Uncle Patrick and how um, mad and disappointed he's going to be Mentally, Ryan is in a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> Are we not all mentally in a Walmart parking lot? <laughs> I've We've never been, been in before. a Walmart parking lot, so... <laughs> I've never been in a Walmart, so... Wow. Um, but yeah, I don't think that Ryan is going to talk to anyone about this, because, like, they're obviously all moved by this scene. <laughs> If anything, like maybe it's weird that Ryan is so blank faced. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. Cardigan was launching off fireworks, um, so she's not necessarily like moved. Like she's happy, but but she's not weeping or anything. 
And uh, so we get kind of this uh, kind of melancholy shot of Ryan's face um, with KT weeping uh, over their shoulder. And uh, we turn the page and see Moonflower, or should I say uh, Eden and Drew, stepping out into uh, a uh, sort of it's uh unlike any world you have ever seen before there are uh gnarled trees and uh just magnificent uh vines draped through the canopy uh flowers in all shapes and colors you don't even have words for uh, there uh you don't see any mushrooms nearby, actually. That's what it's uh, relatively mushroom-free in this part of the woods, at least. Um, as you kind of look around, uh, you think you, like, for a second, you thought you made out the, uh, the like, you thought some, you saw someone, like, vaguely humanoid, but they had, like, goat legs and, like, a bird face and weird antlers, and then they were gone and you're not even sure if you saw them or not. Um, and, uh... Eden's mostly fine with that. She does wonder if she accidentally inhaled some type of toxic mushroom that's making her hallucinate and, like, she read the Chronicles of Narnia kind of recently and she thinks maybe she's mm -hmm. mushroom as, plus hallucinating Mr. Tumnus. As you are, um, kind of, uh, Wondering if you are hallucinating, you see a small uh, tabby cat with a collar on. It looks like almost semi-transparent, kind of flickering in and out of existence, but it uh, steps out from behind a tree and licks its paw and then hops through the portal. And he's gone. So there's like a fake cat running around the real world now? It looked to you like an totally normal house cat. Like, just a gray tabby cat. Well, I'm not gonna follow it at the moment. <laughs> but I will take um, note of it. Above you in the trees in the canopy, there is a loud crash and uh, bright white feathers kind of fall to the ground and you hear a voice like, Oh, 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 I'm terribly late. So sorry. Um, excuse me, excuse me. Tra travelers, travelers, please, welcome. Yes! And uh, Jiltwing tumbles out of the canopy, a magnificent, giant, snowy white owl with uh, golden, molten golden plumage uh, highlighting the tips of its wings and beak and antlers. She's going to look at Shrike and say, more birds, you fit in so well here. Listen, it's like you have one joke and that's it. Well, so do you, and it's just your personality. Okay, okay. I preferred the bird puns, honestly. Hi, how can we help you? And, uh, Giltling perks up. Oh, oh, in fact, it is I who will be helping you, for I am Giltwing, the bestower of badges and ranks, here in Her Majesty's Court, the Fey Wilds of Spring. Yes, yes, and, uh, and, uh, what might you be, miss? A threat. Excellent, excellent. 
and uh, Giltwing's golden notebook uh, materializes out of molten gold ink. So he begins to take note. A threat, and here is your badge, and here is yours. Uh, what are you, sir? I'm a protector. You sounded a little unsure, but I'll write it down anyway. And here is your badge. And, uh, Giltwing explains as the badges begin to twist and transform. Now you are human, so, uh, this rank might be, uh, a bit higher for some of you than some of our other residents, but this indicates your place in line for in the line of succession to inherit the, the throne of the Feywilds. Should anything tragic happen to Her Majesty the Nameless Queen. And, uh, Drew's twists itself into the number, uh, 7,907. And, Moonflowers, yours, uh, starts stretching out into the sprawling script of 11,478. <laughs> She's incredibly offended by that. <laughs> she doesn't really know what that means, despite the explanation. She just knows that Drew's is higher, and she feels like she's getting a bad grade in Baywild. <laughs> but she's, she's just going to play it off like she doesn't care, even though she totally cares. Well then, I believe that is everything that I am here to do. A threat, pleasure to meet you, and a guardian, question mark. Now, I will be on my way. There are more adventurers coming shortly. And, uh, flutters off and, uh, cloud of white and golden feathers. Well, this, uh, sure is different. Yeah. We should find the other Midnighters and get out of here. I don't think I like this place. I don't think I like it. Hold up, I got movement. Something about a hundred meters ahead of us. Uh, two heartbeats. Like fast heartbeats or normal heartbeats? Um, normal-ish. Oh, I would. I don't really know what a normal heart sounds like in an otherworldly dimension, but I don't know. Healthy. Um, Eden would like to assess the situation. Absolutely, I would love for Eden to do that. Go ahead and roll plus superior. That is a nine. It's almost like someone just lowered my superior. What? How rude. Who would do that? Um, um, but I am mindful of my surroundings, so I'll still get mm-hmm. questions. And if it's all right with you, um, you could probably spend a team to get a plus one from Shrike's information from his headset. Yeah, since I, I since play. I have added like two team to the pool just by being yeah, no. vulnerable, that feels fair. Yeah, that no, that that only seems fair. Awesome. So you get to ask uh, three questions because you are so mindful of your surroundings. From mm-hmm. what here can I use to blank? What here is the biggest threat? What here is in the greatest danger? Who here is most vulnerable to me? And how can we best end this quickly? I want to start with what here is the biggest threat. Hmm. I think right now you are. Nice. 
<laughs> I guess that is how I introduced myself. Um, man, I just trying to figure out what direction we're going here. Um, um yeah. Uh, sorry. It, you're yeah, yeah. Um, I guess what here can I use to figure out what these two heartbeats are, or figure out yeah what that situation was. Yeah, um, so you are able to kind of pick out in the shadows ahead of you two very kind of small humanoid shapes. They look like child size, perhaps. Um, uh, thin, um, uh, looking at you with kind of a soft, uh, hazel eyes from beneath the foliage of the woods. Um, yeah. Um, I might save my last question. Yeah, no, that's totally fine. Um, yeah, so there are two diminutive creatures, um, about, yeah, not too far ahead of you where Shrike was pointing. Um, they are definitely intimidated by you, um, but they also look, um, kind of curious, you know, they're not, you know, they're they're cautious, but but not afraid necessarily. Um, and you get plus one while acting on those answers. Yeah, I'm gonna say they look less dangerous than the Crimelian. I think you can handle them. Um, and then she's gonna like just walk towards them, and if they don't like run away or anything, um. She's going to say, have you seen a group of people who look more or less the same shape as us come this way? Um, there's a uh, rustle from the bushes. You hear a small voice whisper. Um, Stick! No! And then uh, a very small uh, one of these creatures steps out. Um, it looks like a small human child, you know, maybe, uh, like, uh, probably, I don't know, how young are kids? <laughs> uh, it's, it's quite small, uh, like five or six, maybe, um, with, uh, kind of soft green skin, um, a small little nose, a giant, beautiful hazel eyes, and, uh, say, uh, his hair is uh, shaved really short in some parts and uh, longer in others. Uh, he's wearing kind of a ratty uh, like a burlap sack kind of clothing. Um, and uh, yeah. Looks out at you curiously. Well, we didn't see anyone good or haven't seen anyone like you, at least. Okay. She's gonna turn around and end the conversation, because that, that's not helping her. What are you? I've never seen anything like you before. Um. Second voice. Stick! Be quiet! Stop talking to him!
I think Aiden doesn't really care about this conversation anymore. She just wants to find her friends. Cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, um, this kind of small green child is pulled back into the brushes, uh, by his, uh, what sounded like maybe his older sibling. And, uh, the two of you set off through the woods of Sinroth. Um, and, uh, and is there maybe any chance they see, like, in the distance, some firework-looking objects in the sky. <laughs> that would be helpful. Not if they go into the forest, because we were we went the opposite direction. You are you are in the middle of the woods right now. Um. Yeah, it is difficult to see. All right, they um, don't see, but the reader sees as they enter yes, the woods. Yes, yes. Fireworks overhead in the distance. Over the the tree line. Um, and, uh, it is just as you, uh, are, are resolving to go find your friends again, a voice says. Well, if it is help you lead, then it is help I may offer. Finding um, someone. Looking for someone. Some other people who look more like me than... Not. More alike than not? Or more not than alike, hmm? Voices seeming to be coming from the other side of the clearing now. Eden sighs heavily and says, I'm looking for some friends. Four of them, actually. I have seen many things. Perhaps I may help you. The voice uh, sounds like it's coming from above you now. She doesn't like that. Tell me, tell me. What do you call yourselves, travelers? Really depends on the day. I suppose that can get quite confusing. I myself also go by many names. However, today I'm feeling like wrinkle. And a small diminutive uh, fey creature floats out from behind a tree. Uh, they don't appear to have any wings or anything uh, at all, but they uh, are like maybe a foot tall, uh, wrapped in a black cloak. Um, have kind of like a small wrinkly face, um, and are just grinning from ear to ear as they kind of just float in place. I would like to try and pierce the mask. Absolutely. That roll. is not Go a roll we do very often. <laughs> Go ahead and roll plus your mundane. Is this, I'm trying to think if I asked anything in my assess the situation that would affect this roll. Um, I mean, you still have one more question. Um, <laughs> I do have one more question. I guess I'll ask, how could we best end this quickly? And by end this, I mostly mean find our friends. Um, uh, Wrinkle seems very interested in helping you. 
and um, is just quite interested in you in general. Um, it appears uh, he's kind of looking you over, all both of you over, kind of top to bottom, uh, very quizzically uh, floating upside down and all around you as he's just, uh, yeah, kind of just, what are these types of creatures like you? Yes, yes, I guess, tall and lumbering around, but they were not quite like you. Well, if you need Wrinkle's help, then Wrinkle can offer it. Can I roll that Pierce the Mask now? Absolutely. Oh, ouch! That's a wow. lot. What is the What'd point of becoming more mundane if I can't pierce the mask? <laughs> What'd you get? A four. Sorry. Oh, no. That is, um... It's alright. Uh, yeah, um... And so uh, I think so go ahead and mark potential and um, uh, as we get kind of the last page of the comic is Eden and Shrike kind of uh, setting off down the trail and Wrinkle the mysterious uh, pixie creature says uh, Fear not, fear not. Wrinkle will take good care of you, yes. Wrinkle is most trustworthy. Mm. And uh, the last page of the comic, he is looking out of the panel at the readers with just just the most mischievous and almost sinister grin. Wonder World Comics is an actual play podcast of Masks, A New Generation by Brendan Conway. This issue was GM'd by Michael Dunham, who can be found on Twitter at GalvanicMan. Southpaw is played by Charlie Smiley, who can be found on Instagram at BigSkyCharlie. Moonflower is played by Kyra Nelson, who can be found on Twitter at Kyra M. Nelson. Graviton is played by Sawyer A. The Righteous Flame is played by Theodore Hampton, who can be found on his website at TheoHamptonPhoto.com. Stitch is played by Justin Reed, who can be found on Twitter at WWComicsStitch. Mighty Briar is played by Kaylee Newberry, who can be found on Twitter at Kaylee underscore Newberry. Wonder World Comics is produced by Michael Dunham and is edited by Michael Dunham and Justin Reed. The music is from Dvorak Symphony Number no. 9. Do you have questions or comments? You can get a hold of us on Twitter at WWComicsPodcast or send us an email at WWComicsPodcast at gmail.com.